Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, if you are new with us this morning, just a quick recap for those of you that have been with us. It's always good to be reminded, right? Good, okay, good. I'm glad you're on the same page. All right, so First and Second Timothy, we've been walking through in these, these letters that Paul has written to um, Timothy, this young pastor who's pastoring the church of Ephesus. Ephesus is a hub city. It's a, a, it's a trade route city. So it's a port city. So there's all kinds of things coming through Ephesus, okay? It is a place in which um, there is lots of culture and there's lots of religion, and that means there's lots of philosophy and lots of beliefs about a lot of things. And so Paul's writing these letters to this young pastor, Timothy, to, um, as he pastors the church of Ephesus. And so we walk through the book of 1 Timothy, and, and, and Paul's encouraging Timothy, hey, here's some instructions for the church. Here's some things in how you lead the church. And then this second letter that Paul writes to Timothy, he's now writing it from prison, and Paul is, knows that his death is imminent. It's coming. He is, he is soon to leave this earth. And so this book is written with a sense of urgency. And so we read it with that mindset. And so it's kind of as if um, Paul is telling Timothy, hey, here's the, here's the things that, that, above all, this is what I want you to know. Okay? And so he's writing it in this way. And so we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14, and we'll go through 4, 4 today. As our kids started to school this week, um, we, in our household, we have, a, we have a sixth grader, which is a little sombering. Let's go, we have a junior hire. Like I told Gina one day this week, I, like, I got to go pick up my junior hire. I, don't, I, don't, I still don't like the sound of that coming out of my mouth. Uh, but nonetheless, we have a junior hire. Uh, and then our, our youngest, our baby, um, started kindergarten. So like, no daycare. Oh. Right, and so so dropping off our, our our two youngest in the morning, and then taking our other one to the junior high. It's a little surreal, right? Um, but it, it reminded me of how fast they grow, right? They they grow rapidly, and they they change. They change physically. They change um, emotionally. I have a junior higher, and she's a girl. Okay. So they changed lots of ways, right? That's just how they do. But they didn't start that way, right? I, I, remember, I remember the first time I, I held Landry Kate, and, and you know, I was just a blubbering idiot because just bawling and was like, oh, my gosh. But there was a moment where I was like, i got to keep this thing alive. And I have no idea what I'm doing. Thankfully, my wife did, and she survived. And so, but, but it reminds me of how fast our children grow, but they grow because we provide for them, right? They grow because we give them physical nourishment. They grow because we discipline them. Yes? Yeah? Right? It, they grow because we teach them emotionally how to handle situations. They grow in these ways, right? And, and, and our goal is ultimately as, as believers, as parents who are followers and disciples of Christ, my first goal as a parent is to make sure I produce a disciple. Okay? That's the first goal. The second goal is that I produce a, a human that is kind and courteous and, and respectful and, and takes care of business. 
which my first one does. We're not sure about the other two yet. But like, like, like that's our job, right? Like we're, as parents, we're teaching them how to grow and how to learn. And I thought about that because in our text this morning, um, Paul's going to encourage Timothy and encourage the church in their growth as believers. In their growth as believers. And one of my greatest fears as a pastor is that people come to know the Lord and, and they profess him in baptism and then they end there. And they never become a mature believer in Christ. That, that this is the, I'm good, yeah. Right? That's not our heart for calling. We don't call him to be discipled. We want him to grow in his knowledge of the word. We want him to grow in his understanding of, and the character and the nature of God. Right? And so one of my biggest fears is that, is that we sit here every week and, and we take in God's word and we're like, yay, that was fun. And we go home and we do whatever we want the rest of the week. Right? But that's not at all what is ever commanded for us as believers. Ever. And so our aim is, is simple this morning, is this. Is that God's word is central to growing and proclaiming your faith. So if you're here this morning, you're like, hey, I, I, don't, I don't know how to grow. Good, we're going to tell you. If you're here this morning and say, hey, hey, I'm, I'm a new believer. I'm not really sure how this is supposed to happen. Good, we're going to tell you this morning. If you've been a believer for 30 years and you've never grown in your faith, good, you're going to hear it this morning. Because Paul is going to instruct us and how we do it this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 13, 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from your childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So just stop there for a second. Stop there for a second. The, the, the first thing we see Paul telling Timothy and, and us this morning is that first we have to grow in the word. We have to grow in the word. Look what he says here. Now, keep in mind, last week we unpacked chapter 3, 1 through 13, where Paul is going to kind of give this warning of here's the type of people you should stay away from. Stay away from these people. And, and, and by the way, Timothy, this is how I lived my life, and it's exactly opposite of what I'm telling you to avoid. And then in verse 14, he then turns, and it's almost like he takes his hand, he's like, but you, right? He's pointing at Timothy, but you, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Now, first thing is, is that this is a bit of an encouragement to Timothy. Continue. 
That means Timothy is already doing what Paul's telling him to do. But Paul's just saying, hey, continue in it, Timothy. Continue in it. And he says this, he says, what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Well, who did he learn it from? We learned it from, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he learned it from his mother and his grandmother. But he also learned it from Paul. Paul says, hey, you've, you've known these things. Continue in them. But he also says this thing. He says this. Have firmly believed. This Greek connotation here is that it is a, it is a, it, it's communicating that which you've been convinced in. That there's no, there's no, in your mind, there's no doubt in what you believe to be true. And Paul says, Timothy, continue in that. Continue in that. Then he's going to go on and he's going to say this. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So what Paul does here is he says, hey, Timothy, you have known God's word. You have been told, and in these sacred writings that, that Paul's referring to here are the Old Testament, right? Timothy would have heard these words of the Old Testament. And, and Paul says something really, really good for us to understand and to see is this. Is he says, the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Hey, Timothy, by the way, all the, all the Old Testament texts that you've heard your whole life and you've seen your whole life, that points you to who? The, the Sunday school answer is? Good job, right. Okay, all of the Old Testament, right, all of the Old Testament is pointing us to Jesus. All of it is. We've got to be very careful not to just dwell in the New Testament all the time. Because all of the Old Testament is teaching us and pointing us to the Savior of the world. So then all of the New Testament then is explaining who Jesus is. It's declaring to us who he is. And just like Ricky read this morning in Revelation, we end the New Testament with Jesus being held high and as the object of our worship. So we go from the beginning, we got the middle, and we got the end. And it's all about who? Y'all didn't get it the first time. It's all about who? Jesus. And so Paul says, hey, Timothy, all the sacred writings that you heard, they made you wise for salvation in Jesus Christ. That all of Scripture points us to Jesus if you go back to the book of Acts, even as, as the early church starts and the disciples are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus to the Jews and, and, and continuing over and over declaring these things, um, just a small sample, Acts 2, 14 through 34, Acts 3, 18 through 21, Acts 4, 11, Acts 4, 25 through 27, and we could go on and on all through the book of Acts where the disciples are quoting the Old Testament 
to the Jews to declare that Jesus is Savior. Over and over again. Over and over again. And so then he goes on. He's going to say this in verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. All of this is breathed out by God. It's His Word. It's not man's opinion. It is the Word of God Himself. And it says that it is profitable. So before we, we, we get to what it's profitable for, let me say this. All of this, the whole counsel of God right here is profitable for you. Even when it hurts, it's profitable for you. Even when it's convicting, it's profitable for you. Even when the social construct of your day does not agree with it, it is profitable for you because it's his word and no one's opinion. This is the word of God. This is the word of God. It is breathed out by him and it is profitable. And then he says, here it is. It's profitable for teaching, for giving us instruction. How many of you like enjoy knowing, like knowing how to do things? Like if, if you're given a new task and someone gives you no instructions, like you're the person that stresses out because you need the instructions. Okay. The rest of you are lying, right? <laughs> Unless you're an engineer and you're like, let's redesign this and make it better, right? But <laughs> I'm looking at you, David Ruby Kenning, right? So here's, here's the deal though. Here's the deal. We all like boundaries. We all like instruction. And God just says, hey, my word is breathed out by me and all of it is profitable for teaching. It's all profitable for our instruction. Teaching us how to walk with him. Then he says also that for reproof, for reproof, this is, this is the, the conviction. This is the, hey, <laughs> you done messed up right that, that as we read god's word we go oh it's reading me now i probably should put it down right that's our response but as we read god's word it reads us and it convicts us and then he says and then for correction so there's a progression here right as we dig into god's word and we are taught by it we are then we acknowledge our sin and then and then we correct it and go okay now i gotta live my life this way and then he goes on and continues the progression and for training in righteousness not only have i corrected it now but i'm gonna live a different way now i'm gonna live my life differently than the way i was living this is what God's word does for us. And then he goes on and he says this in 17. That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. He said it is, it is designed for us. Look, this word equipped here is the same word for mend. That he, that he mends us. God's word is designed to mend us, to, to, 
to repair us, to transform us. John Stott says it this way. He says this, that Scripture is the chief means which God employs to bring the man of God to maturity. I'll read it again. Scripture is the chief means which God employs to bring the man of God to maturity. That this is what God's our life. That as we read it, what, what we do, okay, how do we grow in the word is that as we read it, what we do is we go, okay, what is this passage telling me about God? That's, that's the first question we ask. What is this passage telling me about God? Okay, and then the second question is, what is going on in the context? What's going on in, in biblical times in which God is showing the people who he is, right? And you're like, well, Brady, I don't, it doesn't say all that. You're right, it doesn't, but there's things called commentaries, right? You can, you can get online. There's tons of free commentaries online. Matthew Henry's entire commentary is online. You can get on and Google it and, and, and find it right there. If you're like, hey, I want, a, I want a good commentary, come find me. I will, I will recommend one to you. But look, you, you find out what's going on in the context, and, and then you bridge that context. You bridge it to, okay, well, how does that apply then in our life today? If God's showing his faithfulness right now to Moses, as I'm reading Moses' story and his life, and, and God's showing his faithfulness to him over and over because Moses continued to go, God, I trust you, but I don't know. But I trust you, but I don't know. But I trust you, but I don't know. And God continued to remain faithful to Moses as Moses faced battle after struggle after battle. Maybe you've been there. And you bridge that context and you go, okay, in my context, circumstances sometimes are hard and they struggle. How can I know that God is faithful? Because just like we sung earlier, he is the same God to Moses as he is to you. And over and over, God's word tells us that. But in order for us to grow in God's word, we have to be in it. So many of you knew, know that I, I grew up, I grew up on a ranch, and so um, I, I'm, I know a lot about cattle. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I know a lot about cattle, and <clears throat> I'd asked Donnie um, months ago if, I, if he could find me the jawbone of a cow. He was like, yeah, I'm not really sure why, but sure. And so he brought it to me and even dressed it up a little bit, so I'm thankful for it. But <clears throat> so... Um, I knew this passage was coming, and I think this illustrates who we are to be. But cattle are what we call ruminants, okay? Cattle walk around during the day, and they have front teeth, and they constantly just are picking and eating grass, okay? Most of this grass to any other animal is, for the most part, um, has no nutritional value, Okay? But cattle continually pick small pieces and they swallow it, okay? Cattle have one stomach, contrary to a lot of people say, oh, they've got four stomachs. No, they have one stomach with four chambers, okay? And they constantly are just eating and they swallow what they ingest. They swallow it what they ingest. 
And, and then when they're sitting down, when they're laying down, when they're standing, or just when they're doing nothing, they regurgitate what we call a cud. And they take these back jaws, teeth, and they chew that cud. And then they swallow it again, and it continues in these chambers of their stomach. And all of this grass that they've eaten, all of this feed that they've eaten, as they regurgitate it and chew on it and swallow it and regurgitate it and chew on it and swallow it, when it makes it finally to the last chamber of their stomach, which is the rumen, what happens then is that all of the bacteria in the rumen combined with the saliva, combining with the continual chewing of, it ferments. And you're like, oh, this is lovely. Thank you, Brady. Right? It ferments, but then what it does is that fermentation and all of that that happens in the rumen, which is the fourth chamber of the stomach of the cow, it makes what they've eaten nutritional. It makes what they've eaten give their body energy, which allows them to grow, which puts weight on them so that we can eat them. Right? You laugh, but that's the truth, right? Okay? So... But I tell you all of that because of this. Is that oftentimes what we do is we come to church on Sunday morning and we ingest the word of God and then we go about our lives. And we do nothing with it. When in reality what should happen is that we should ingest the word of God, go home, regurgitate it, chew on it swallow it that's tough didn't really like that regurgitate it chew on it and continue the process until God's word becomes that which the way we live our life that's how we as believers grow in the word of God we don't just ingest and say man that was a great sermon we ingest it and then we go home and we, we, we regurgitate it and we chew on it and we ruminate on it and go, hey, man, how does that change my life? I, I learned all of these things about God's character and who he was, but how does that change my life? Church, we have to learn to grow in God's word. We're gonna learn to study God's word and be in God's word and make it a priority in our life. And then he's going to go on and he's going to say this. He's going to call us to proclaim God's word. In chapter 4, starting in verse 1, he says this. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Paul makes an incredibly bold statement here. Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ. <laughs> it's almost as if Paul declares to Timothy, if you've heard nothing else, if you've listened to nothing else, if you've applied nothing else, listen now. I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus. What does he charge him? Listen, here it is. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort 
with complete patience and teaching. Verse 3, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Verse 5, we will unpack next week because it goes with the rest of the text. But listen, verse 3 and 4 tell us the why Paul's telling Timothy to preach the word. Because there's coming a day when people will not endure sound teaching. They're going to find themselves people who agree with them and, and preach in such a way that makes them feel good. Guess what? Those days are here. They're here. We're living in them. As we unpacked last week, when, when Paul says, in the last days, we are literally in the last days, church. They were in the last days in the disciples' time. We are in the last days now. And this is rampant. There are people who, who, who will say anything to make people feel good or give them money. And Paul says, hey, Timothy, continue in the word. And so the first thing he says is, is he tells him to proclaim the word. He says, do it faithfully. Do it faithfully. There's going to be a time that's coming that, that people are not going to endure it. But Timothy, you stay faithful to it. You stay faithful to preaching the word of God. But listen to what he says in verse 2 and two. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Complete patience and teaching. Listen, this is not your license to go start pointing the finger at someone else and saying, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. No. What Paul's saying is, is Timothy, as you preach the word, guess what happens? People are encouraged. People are reproved people are rebuked and we do it with complete patience and teaching is that the word of god accomplishes what it sets out to i think so many times we we get caught up and like well i don't I, I don't know what to say to people share god's word with them like god's word is powerful it can move and as we teach God's word, what happens is it begins to do some things. Now, as believers, we are supposed to, next to a brother. Clinton and I, Ricky and I, we, we look at each other and be like, hey, you're not, hey, you need to, you need to get it together. I'm going to rebuke you in this. I don't say that word, but like, you know, Clint, get it together, man, Right? But the same thing goes for them and to me. Like, there's no, there's no hierarchy here. Look, we are brothers. We're walking life together. And as we do that, and as we're in God's word together, we're called to proclaim and to preach the word. And so, so in the most important thing you can do this week is preach the word to someone. Proclaim the gospel to someone. Let someone know. Hey, I just want you to know this has changed my life. 
But, but Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. And they crucified him on a cross. And they put him in a tomb and three days later he walked out of that tomb. And I want you to know that I, that, that, that I admit that I have messed up and I, I struggle. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross for those sins that I struggle with. And I confessed him as the Lord of my life. And he controls all. And yeah, I still struggle, but, but he's the Lord of my life. The most important thing you can do this week is that. Tell somebody. Preach the word. Proclaim it. At your job. With your kids. With your grandkids. It doesn't matter how young they are. I've been telling my three children since I could hold them. I love you more than you can imagine. But as much as I love you, Jesus loves you more. Because you were first his. Most important thing you can do this week is preach the word. Proclaim it to somebody. And Paul says, be ready in season and out of season. I'll end with this. I was, Logan and I were, um, had been married for a couple of years, about three, almost three years. And, um, well, not quite year, three years, two years. And we were, Logan had just found out she was pregnant with um, Landry Kate, and we were on a mission trip. We drove into New Orleans, Louisiana with about 25 students. We had about eight adults with us, and we pulled into New Orleans, Louisiana at New Orleans Chinese Baptist Church. That's where we were staying for the week. It's kind of our hub, and then we were working out of there. <clears throat> and, um, I, you know, I'd read this passage, be, be ready in season, out of season, a uh, hundred times, and, and the Lord thought that that night was the night that he was going to make it come to life to me. So we roll into New Orleans to Chinese Baptist Church. We get there about 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, and... Um, and, and we were unpacking the church van and the trailer and, and getting students settled. And, and um, the, pastor had, uh, the pastor of the church had unlocked the door. And then um, he real, like, nonchalantly said, I'm so glad you're here. You preach tomorrow. Excuse me? <laughs> you preach tomorrow. And I was like, like, tomorrow? Tomorrow? He's like, yes, you preach tomorrow. And so I, I had not organized the trip. I called the guy who had organized the trip. I'm like, hey, Chris, he just said I'm preaching tomorrow. Did you know this? He's like, no, man, but, but I'm just going to let you know that in their culture, if he says you're preaching, you're preaching. He will not preach. He will wait till you get on the stage to preach. It doesn't matter how long. I'm like, what? Okay, <clears throat> and so I was like, all right, well. And so I think we finally got everybody settled, and it was like 1 a.m., and I'm telling Logan this. She's like, do you have anything? I'm like, I just found out. Like, what is this? You know? I think I went to bed about 3 a.m. And we were back up about 6 a.m. That morning. And, and Sunday time rolled around. And the preacher gets up. And he's like, we have a guest speaker today. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. And I got up and I, I preached God's word. Probably the worst message I've ever preached in my life. But it doesn't matter. What God taught me in that moment was, Brady, you were called to be ready whenever to preach my word. 
And it may not be a scenario that way. You may find yourself next to a coworker who's struggling with something and they need advice. You were called in that moment to say, let me share with you. I was just reading the other day about the faithfulness and the goodness of God in our circumstances. Can I share with you? It's an opportunity for you to proclaim the word of God. This, this right here is central to our growth as believers. And as long as Oak Grove has me as their pastor, this will be central to all that we do. I am not in the least bit interested in you hearing my opinion. I want us every morning to hear the Word of God. And I want us to grow in it. And I want us to proclaim it with our whole lives. Let's pray. God, thank you this morning for your Word. God, I pray that as we move into this time of invitation, Father, would would you move in our hearts? Father, would you stir up in us a desire to respond to you? Father, maybe wherever we're at, we just declare, God, I, I've not been good about growing in you. I've not been good about being in your word. I've, I've shied away from proclaiming even my faith to anyone much less the word of God Father would we respond to you this morning respond to your word as it changes and transforms our lives God, this is your time make much of the name of Jesus and it's in that name that we pray all God's people said, amen and amen.